everybody to the Frito and Wood Show. I'm your host, Frito Marcelin, and we got your boy, Willie Mac Trill, in the building. You know what I'm saying? I just do what I do like I'm doing it for TV. <laughs> yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, I love it. I love it. Yo, Willie, man, you know how we always get into it, man. What, 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 what? What you been listening to, guys? What you got? Yo, yo, it's 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 um, it's, it's been a weird time. You know, we're in the middle of, of of election season, so it's been hard to just stay focused um on a lot of things right now. Um, I know we talked about this song already, but I'm just gonna put out the Liberation by Outcast has been on steady rotation. <laughs> So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this song because we talked about it in the posse cut, but uh, yeah, Liberation has been on steady rotation in the uh, Hill household. Um, you know, so that that's honestly the song I listen to the most this week is uh, is Outcast uh, uh, Liberation, man, because it's just been a, you know, a fun time. And also, um, um, I'm still on the Black Thought album. I'm still on the Black Thought album, high, high, like super high on the Black Thought album. Uh, Streams of Thought Volume Three. Oh my gosh! Like we're probably going to do a very, may, I may do a mini on that and post okay. it and talk a little bit more about it because it's just so deep to get into, man. But he is dropping, you know, jewels, Fabergé egg omelets is is a, is a is a line he says, and I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Like he he just he just on some other right now. So thought, a lot of thought this week, um, and uh, a lot of liberation. That's okay. what I've been on. Okay. Yeah. How about yeah. you, my dog? So uh, we are. I listened to the Impossible song on the Wu Tang Forever album. Uh, we are going to be just discussing the episode of this Wu Tang, uh, this this Wu Tang show that Impossible is named after. Oh, that's right. That's right. Word up, word up. His name after, but um, in listening to the song, I forgot how Wu Tang Forever Forever was a great album, man, and I forgot that. You know, I need to revisit it. I felt so bloated to me at the time. I think I was double albumed out. <laughs> by that I can see that. I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Even within the double album, there's still some hidden jewels. And Impossible wasn't even one of the hidden jewels that I remembered. But re-listening mm. to it again, I'm just like, this song not mm. only really touches on the episode, but really kind of touched about the feeling about the outcome of life, even what's going on for today, to be honest with you. Whoa. Help, help me out. Help me out. Can you expand it a little bit? Because I feel like the overall arching theme about impossible is like you just feel like it is impossible to defeat the powers that be wow you know wow and you kind of you 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 recognize it you Hmm. see it you acknowledge you know and of course there are some conspiracy theories within that song in and of itself yeah but really it's just kind of like damn this is it's basically, it's impossible to defeat a god, you know? And it's like, the powers to be really are kind of like the gods of this world who are controlling things. And really, how can I defeat that? Uh, RZA goes, he starts out the verse and goes into his RZA-ness, but- <laughs> He does, he does. I'm a fan of the RZA-ness. Yes, you, you are. are. You are. <laughs> I think it's a- a, a, a fresh sound compared to the stuff that you normally hear in hip hop, where I feel like he tries to infuse something, he does it in his own way, and yeah. I like it. I like it yeah. a lot. You know, it kind of reminds me of the episode that we saw earlier where Bobby was talking about like the zygote and all that stuff. Yes, <laughs> fallopian tubes. But Riz is in true form. He, he, he is in true form in this song. He goes in and it's like, dang. He, he, he. So you reminded me of this song that I, I you know, <laughs> yo, it's deep, man. It is de- definitely deep. You know what I'm saying? Babies getting pierced with microchips, you know, <laughs> stuffed inside their earlobes, then examined, 
blood contaminated, vaccinated lives fabricated, exaggerated authorization, food and drug administration, testing poison in the prison population. Yeah. Yeah, man. Rizzo's at his at his peak rizzness <laughs> on this dope. A lot of multi-syllables on this joint, dog. Rizzo be killing the multi-syllables. No, nah, but uh, and all jokes aside, though, like, I didn't, um, you know what I'm saying? It is amazing that I did I, I did not catch the uh, the connection uh, of this song in this episode. So, yo, like, jewels being dropped by you right now, man. But then also, too, with that, the sound. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like, yeah. you remember how Dre 2001, his, uh, his uh, 2001 Chronic? Yeah. Just came with a different sound that. The sonic. The sonic aptitude of that of that album was sounded sonically different to what was going on, and it was right. unexpected because I think we all we're used to G Funk Dre, mm-hmm. and it was like he actually was the perfect name for it with the Chronic 2001 because it was it was the Chronic 2001 next next century out. So yeah, I feel you. Yeah. And I feel like RZA brought in a new sound. It kind of sounded like a harpist chord a little bit. Yeah, he was experimenting crazy on this album. You know, and I appreciated that. Like, to this day, I'm just like, I'm feeling it. And, you know, even with songs like Triumph and other songs, yeah, he just, he really went to the lab to bring us something new that I don't think, that I think I took for granted back then. I appreciated it. There's too much music out, bro. There was just <laughs> too much. No, no. Do you remember what got nominated for Grammys that year? The Grammy nominating, you know, because you remember ODV's Wu Tang's for the Children. Yes, <laughs> it was this versus No Way Out, Puffy. <laughs> wow, versus Life After Death, Biggie. Like that was the same, literally the same. You know, that's just those three songs. Like, nah, man, it, that was crazy, man. That was. That was a nutty time, man. It was just too much music out. Um, yeah, man. It was just too much. And so I think that... Uh, I mean, this is 97, bro. <laughs> 97 was crazy in hip-hop. So, yeah, man. Yeah. So this this, this makes sense. Most yeah. Yo, so I think we could hop into the episode, man. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to let you know right now best episode of the season so far a corner has been turned yes why for you do you feel that way um well well very very uh selfishly i was excited because there's a certain character i've been hoping would make a, an appearance sooner or later mm. and he did and that's rebel aka the rebel ins AKA Inspector Deck. Yeah. And so I was super geeked when I noticed it was like I'm gonna go to my boy Rebel's house. I'm like, Rebel, I, I hope, I hope that's who I think it is. And so talk about Bobby going to he said he uh, no no Shogun. Shogun was saying that he was staying with his homie Rebel. And I'm like, I know a guy named Rebel, you know, and so the fact that it was Deck and the first time you see Deck, he actually is doing the is is and it was actually crazy because that's what Myth the Man said that he got his name from that because Deck was always inspecting the situation, like he's quiet. He's always just like like trying to see what's going on. So the fact that it's uh, that 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 rebel was spending a large part of the episode staring out his window of like of the of the, what was going on in in his uh in, in the, the basketball I guess the courtyard or basketball whatever you want to call it the uh the front of his uh his homes uh and peep it the fact he was like yo yo that shogun song I played 57 times today and it, it like he had like he noticed all these things and it was just really really good to finally get deck but also it was um a well written episode it's like yes. Started with the pigeon thing. Yes. And how it was like, it almost like did they get it, it really went from like, okay, it's a decently written show to like, yo, this was a well-written episode. Like, why didn't who 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 wrote this? And why haven't they been writing the whole time? Yes. So yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pigeon thing. I mean, that should have been on the first episode. Like, that would have been great. Like, I don't know, but 
Yeah, yeah. It was great. Really great episode. Man, you That's why I've been telling you to hold on, because for the viewers out there, Frito... (laughs) I think it was like episode three or four, you were like, bro, if it wasn't for this pod, I don't think I would finish this out. Remember I kept saying, hold on. Just hold on. Let's just get past the midway point. And then there's a change. This is what I was talking about. Bro. This was a change. You hit it right on the money where it was well-written. They finally pick a theme that kind of match with the feeling of the episode and just carried it through. It was smartly written. It was intertwined. Yes. While introducing new characters. Because it's crazy because that's what's been rough about it is that they introduce these characters and it's like they feel like you gotta they're making a place for them. Mm Whereas you introduce Rebel and Jerome, and it didn't feel messy. Like it, it was like it, it's you know what I mean. It meshed. And, yeah, and since the previous episode, a lot of the part, a lot of the previous episode was dealing with the selfishness and people's failures to solve what was the central problem of the last episode, which was that these mob guys are threatening. Um, Bobby's family's life for yeah. you know not paying the debt associated with Auntie Laurie's malfeasance, and it, it continued with that. Yeah. Sometimes these episodes have been felt like what offs, whereas like something happens and it doesn't really, it doesn't really continue the next episode as much. Whereas this one, like there was still a problem, and oh, they didn't let you forget that there was a problem. But uh, it was cool, very cool. Yeah. And I I like how you said that it's a problem because earlier on there was a worry for me that this was going to be typical good times episode occurrences. Where... <laughs> that is well said. Please explain that a little bit more for those who are not familiar. So for those who are not familiar, Good Times was a show back in the 70s with um Jimmy Walker, Jimmy JJ Walker had um, your boy, John Amos. John Amos, man. You know, Florida and, Evans. And yeah. Florida Evans. I can't remember her real name, you know, but that was her yeah, character yeah, name, yeah, Florida yeah. Evans. Yeah. Uh, it also had Janet Jackson, who appeared uh, later on in the, in the series. She was in there. But it was about this Black family who, who blue-collar blue working, who grew up in the projects in Chicago, mm-hmm. and... It was a comedy, but intertwined. It was like a a dramedy, super dramedy. <laughs> yeah, man. Because they would just, you know, the episodes would take you through where they go through tough times, you know, where like, oh, things are going to happen all right for them, where it's like it's going to be good, and then something just smacks them right in the face. <laughs> it's like raising in the sun, the TV show. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is on. That's me. it. That's it. And the famous was entertaining. Says a lot. Cause I, I'll be real with you. Like I, I you know, I, you know, rewatch Good Times on reruns, of course. Mm-hmm, yeah. Growing up, I did not understand the appeal of the show. Growing up, I didn't really? get it. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I got that it was great television. Yeah. But I had a hard time understanding how it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Well, you had Jimmy J.J. Walker, who was yeah, like... Yeah, he was the comedy relief on steroids, like, yeah. and he was great, but it, it was right, like, when you're saying, like, and even, like, you ever, like, re-listen to the, to, to the hit? It's like, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the intro to the, 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 the song music. <laughs> Temporary layoffs, good time. What in the world is going on? I'm gonna go watch The Fresh Prince. Like, I mean, it was just... Or the Jeffersons, even. Uh, it was, but you're right. Like it was just this continued, and it really was like getting by the TV show. The show could have been called Getting By. Ain't no good times happening. It's getting by. Well, series. But but it's relevant. No diss coming from me. Super relevant, incredible television, realistic television, um, powerful television. And I think for a lot of people, it gave an insight of like a very realistic. Mm. 
very realistic capture of the experience for a lot of um, black and brown people uh, yeah. in this country, you know, like especially in Chicago, because like Chicago to most people is Michael Jordan and it's this, you know, the, the, the building formula is the city's tower and all the art and museums and, you know, food, uh, the, the, the taste of Chicago and, you know, the Chicago Bears and, you know, all the Al Capone <laughs> and all these type of things. But like, nah, like it's also greeny green, you know what I mean? And it's also good times and it's, yeah, man, that's a rough. It's a, it's a rough. It's even rough for me to watch now at almost forty years old. So yeah, good, good capture. I mean, it is, it is. It's still rough for me to watch now. You know, I haven't watched one in probably maybe fifteen years or something like that. TV one, because because you don't got TV one. Okay, <laughs> that's what TV one does. TV one shows. Sanford and Son. It's crazy because Sanford and Son is literally like the same. You know, a lot of the same situation, but it just was more humorous. Like I got you. Yeah, I mean, definitely Sarah said was getting by. What's happening was getting by television. And there's one more I can't think of right now. Um, 227, 227. You know mm. what I'm saying? In a little ways. But to me, Good Times just smacked you over the head with it. You know, so, I mean, but it was deep television. Incredible television. Legendary so, television. So I wonder if that's the case because all those other shows from what I'm taking from it, I think had comedic actors predominantly, whereas yes. times had John Amos and the character that plays Florida Evans, where these were no small time players and basically, from my understanding, this, you know, so like they really brought some dramatic effect to it. John Amos, especially, boy. Esther Rowe. Esther Rowe. Esther Rowe, thank you. I could thank you. Yeah, I, I need to figure that out. I, I, it was on the tip of my tongue. I just couldn't think of Esther Rowe. Esther Rowe and John Amos, they were the center points of bringing that tragedy to the yeah. forefront. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And this episode captured a lot of that feeling, like you said. Man. Most death. Most a lot death. of that feeling. Uh, one of the reasons why this was such a great episode for me and what I felt like elevated episode. Your boy, man. Who? Bo Keem Woodbine. Ah. <laughs> uh, yo. Just, just, okay. I'm going to hold off my comment. Please go more into it. The greatness that is Bo Keem Woodbine. Go ahead, man. So, not many times I'm saying like, okay, man, Bo, you know, he's like he's normally not like the central point of the no. movie or anything like that, yeah. you know, and he's, you know, he just, he, he, he brings an aura. A he's a great actor. Underrated. Know? Great actor. Yeah. And when I saw like how they were doing the pigeons and they showed the back of this guy's head, I'm just like thinking in my head. Is that so yes. You know that head in the ears, you know the head in the ears. You got that. He got that thing going. So not really thinking about his accent, his 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 acting presence, but just thinking about like the excitement of like, oh, he's in the building. And then when I yeah. saw him and seen him throughout the whole episode, I felt like he was the one of the main reasons why the episode was elevated. I, I felt know. like his acting elevated the other actors who he yes he and Eric with. Alexander's chemistry was nuts yes no oh my goodness you nuts. felt that didn't you yeah like, like it was like oh I mean no diss to the other actors on the show but you definitely know that a lot of these are that is probably first or first major situation and you can sort of tell like and there's no diss because mm -hmm. that rawness that rawness is a strength too but it was like master session when you when Erica and Bo Keem shared shared conversation episode. It was, Bro, a, it was, it was beautiful. A, yeah, it was beautiful. It's and a crazy how like good acting just really does that. And you, it's like good acting, like like you could watch a movie and you could somebody can ask like, how they act. You know, they, they were straight. But like then there's that one scene you like, but on that scene they were killing it. And it's like, that's what it was today. Like, the, everybody's, you're right. I feel like everybody's performance upped up this episode. Most definitely. You know? And it ain't even got to be over the top. It could be the simplest of things. 
the, the, like his facial expressions. Like you thought that part when he was like, I'm not going to move until you say you trust me. And he did the thing where he didn't move. Yeah. It was it was corny, but it was like, you not everybody can do that. And I mean, not look corny. Exactly. Like, he, like it, it was corny that he did it because you know, like he did it, but the acting wasn't corny. That I makes feel sense. like Erica, I feel like that was a real moment because I feel like he was like, she was like, eventually he's gonna move right. And she's like, he's not gonna move. It was a special moment. I loved it. It was crazy. Like yeah. little stuff like that makes a show turn from being good to being like, wow, this is a good show. Exactly. And, you know, that's that wire, that breaking bad, that you know, that Atlanta, like that's what separates breaking bad from power. Mm. It's what no, it was separates the wire from breaking bad. And the wire from Empire. Like when people compare those three shows, like you want to see me just flip over a table, like, nah, bro, like, no. I Omari Hardwick, what's up, dog? Like, do you know what I'm saying? But no, there those moments are far and few between on those type of shows. But in the wire, it can happen when two people driving in the car and something yeah. like you know, so that's what happened. Did that man, yo, I'm so glad you called that too, because I was just like, damn, like. Something's weird here. Oh, it's because it's really, really, really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Everybody. I don't know. Maybe this is when they took a break in the show. Like, cause I, they probably feel like episode after episode, they maybe like a break. And everybody came from the break. Maybe they watched the first episode. Like, hey, I need to be better at this. I need to be better. Mm-hmm. But it, it was clear. Everybody was acting better on this episode. Yeah. Everybody. And that's the thing that, like, last two episodes, because the episode beforehand, we spoke about how, like, all right, starting to get better. Yes. And then the last two episodes, I don't know if they're finding their groove. I don't know if, like, they kind of, like, saw, like, all right, because in the beginning, we felt like they didn't know what what they were doing, where they were going. It just felt disjointed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And here they come. They're finally flowing. It's kind of like they're finding themselves. Yes. They're finding their voice. Yes. And I'm just like, I'm all for it, you know? So, yeah. man, There yo, was just boy. so much intertwined. Like, like even the Miss Burgess situation. Um, the, the, the lady in the apartment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, how they, because it could, like, I just feel like if they would have done this earlier, it would have been sloppy. Yeah. But, like, they were able to introduce her in and her, the purpose of her was to show the generational divide. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's playing Nina Simone. But if Nina Simone would have come out in t- 1995, she might have been Bahamadia. She may have been Lauren Hill. Like, it's just, like, but they're saying, some of them are saying the same thing, revolution, expression, all this type of stuff. And so she's playing Nina Simone. Like, we need Nina right now. And, like, you're like, wow, like, it's just the generational divide. Like, these kids who outside rapping, they think they're Nina Simone. Because they're able to, you know, to spit creativity and do these incredible things. Like, even the acting of the extras, like, I felt those young boys out there rapping. Yes. I felt, like, I, it, it pissed me off, but I even felt their interactions with, with Miss Burgess, like, man, throwing the rock at her, shut up, bitch, and all that type of stuff. I felt all of that. It was yes. so realistic. It didn't feel contrived. It was like this. I've seen this conversation happen. Like I've, <laughs> I've seen this. I've literally, I wasn't a part of it. I might have witnessed it, but I definitely have seen that happen. I've seen the old church lady on her porch telling people like, can y'all cut that music down? Why y'all playing in the street? And then, the, you know, you got that one knucklehead, man. Miss Burge, get your ass in the apartment, man. I, I seen that. So it, it was just, I'm like, they writing they butts off. Oh, they man. really, and how that little, because at first, like, why is Miss Burge important? I mean, she's important, but like, like introducing her and then seeing the circle. Yeah. In, 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 the, in the complexity of our neighborhoods, because it's like she was all in the right for calling the police. Let me put that out there. 
Like throwing rocks in her house, she had been nice. She had been super nice. And she'd been frustrated. And she's telling them stuff like, yo, like, yo, like, treat treat your elders, treat your women right. They throw a rock at the house. My mama would have called the police, probably. You know what I'm saying? Especially because there's no husband, no son there. You know, she's there by herself. Like, like if, if her husband was still around, he probably would have walked outside. And you see how they treated the old man that that I guess is I guess is addicted to to, to, to the substance. You know, they push him out the way and everything. And it's just like this is just this, this lack of continue continuous for respect between generations and African Americans. And it's still like that today. And the fact they went with a circle, though she calls the police, she even calls the black police. Like she even gets, you know, and then it goes. I know we're gonna get into this like eventually, but it goes super left, and we'll get into that. And the guilt that she has, like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, I, did I do this? And it just, it was like, wow, this is like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna turn it over to you so before I talk too much about the plot. No, so, I mean, we can flow into it. I guess before we go into that, I'll yeah. say this. Your boy, David East, is starting to get better and better at every episode. He felt like he was to cow in this episode. Yeah, because early on, I was like, I know from a physical standpoint, he reminds yeah. me of T'Kal, but I didn't know if he was really embodying the essence of T'Kal. Yeah. Yeah. But these past two episodes, I was like, oh, okay. I wonder if it's because of the rapping. You think that's what turned, like... I think it may be because cause I feel like the rapping scenes have gotten better. The rapping... better. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed mm -hmm. the, the first ones, but like the rapping has gotten way better. Because sometimes I feel like earlier on it was getting into a karaoke style beat making of rap a little bit. Yeah. But right now I feel like I don't know if they went back into the lab, right? Let's really make a production quality sound for this particular journey that they're on in this episode yeah and again even that meshed in you know this kind of like because i was feeling the past two diss tracks that they like you know the killer i, I was like mr nice guy yeah i wanted them tapes <laughs> yo i went online looking for mr nice guy and i think they really just did it for the show and like i mean i can find it on youtube like yeah. in, uh, in its entirety someone did a great job of it but i'm like i would bump this today both of those tracks. Yeah. So I just want to say that about David East because I feel like he deserves some props because, like, man, he's coming with it. With the crutches and everything, like, he just, he's so fly cool with it, like how he got the girl's number and everything. Ah. I, I can see that being meth. I really can see it. And the whole, like, he don't rap no more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you and he was dropping severe bars, like severe bars, which brings me to what we've been waiting for for a long time is a certain other guy that finally started rapping again. And Shaw, yo, and this eight golf, he is doing a great job at Rayquan, like for me, T, anyway, because he, he's salty. And Rayquan's a salty dude. Like, if you talk to Nas, Ghost, and they like, yo, like, Ray really was like that, like, super, like, just temperamental and little guy team of thing going on. But, yo, he's like, you think you're going to be a star? <laughs> yo, I, I believe Ray said that to say about it. You think you're going to be a star? <laughs> Meanwhile, grown men out here handling business. It was so real. That was so real, man. Oh my God. And then Ray finally gets on, because, you know, it, first, the episode we just did, what made Ray want to start rapping? Oh, you know, the females. The freaking females. And I don't know if it is. I thought that was the same young lady that he saw in the car, but I'm going to rewatch it. Okay. But, uh, but, but he's sitting there looking at this dude. It did like, then would trip me out if, if you're shy is such an interesting character because he's probably like everybody's fugazi but me because power is even like yo I need to get a copy of that tape
Excuse me? Mm. Power, I'm sure he spent the power to be like, man, nobody listen to bullshit. We making money, son. But it was like, yo, I need to get a copy of that day. He's looking like a fan. Shout out. Even Hayes, who the earlier member, he was like, yeah, he's like, yo, 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 this is hot in the streets. And I was like, this is crazy. But it's also realistic. Even every, even everybody getting better in rapping, I wonder if it wasn't intentional because it's a hidden little thing because it's like, we're talking about they got better rapping. They should have gotten better rapping. Mm. It should have, it should be more whatever. It meth should be walking around with a notepad and got rhymes ready to kick at a moment's notice on the block. You know what I mean? He should be. He's got a tape out. You know what I'm saying? You grew up around cats who rapped, like you always gonna get that person gonna come up to you like, yo, man, give me some, give me some. And if you're method and you on crutches, you're not working. You probably got rhymes for days, and you see Raekwon shot coming through. Of course, I'm gonna pull out my best rhymes I got in the pad. I'm waiting for Shaw to show up. I'm waiting for D Love to show up. I'm waiting. Oh, for the yes. It was just, I'm like, how are y'all getting everything right in this episode? Can we, can we go back to Jerome real quick, though? Say what? Can we go back to Jerome? Yeah, go ahead. Man, F Jerome. So look, so look. So I went from, ah, Jerome's all right, to F Jerome back to, dang, Jerome, that dude. Like, multiple times, because I definitely was on some F Jerome when he got ready to skip school. Mm. And I, and of course, me. Of course, I feel that way. I'm an engineer, and I'm all about education. And uh, and I definitely was on some F Jerome when he was sort of like downsizing Sheree, like you need to get your head out them books before you were an old lady with a cat. I thought that was very, but but you know what? I grew up with a lot of Jeromes, bro. A lot of Jeromes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah, like it was like, cause I started to hate Jerome, and I realized, ah, oh, cause I was raised around Jerome's. You know what I'm saying? I definitely, to this day, I remember getting my scholarship at the University of Florida, going to the barbershop. and you know we were small town, so it took it took a little while. My father told everybody he could find, <laughs> and my mom too. So I remember getting my hair cut at the barbershop. Summer of, so it may have been like May, June. Like I'm about to leave in a couple of months. And um, this older cat was in the barbers. And my barber was like, yo, man, young brother finna do some things, man. Like my, my barber literally raised money, created a scholarship and gave me like $100. You know what wow. I'm saying? Like for real, I, I was like crazy for me. Like it was like, man, you know what I'm saying? A, you know, a lot, but and he, he, he still does the Jones MasterCut scholarship. Gave me some money, man. He's like, man, I hope this buys a book or something. Like, it, I was getting a lot of support in my neighborhood. Real talk. Shout out to Putnam County. But this gentleman in front of a barbershop full of people goes, why y'all hyping this boy up? Y'all know what's finna happen. He finna go down there, get on drugs or alcohol. He'll be back here in like, he'll be back here in another, he'll be back, he'll be back sitting right in that chair in a year and a half, guaranteed. And so the barber stopped cutting hair. This guy's in the chair. He stops cutting hair and was like, yo, if you're going to talk the way that young man, you just going to get out of here now. Other people in the barber shop were like, the hell wrong with you? And somebody was like, you better be glad we don't tell him your name. Because if his father heard this, it'd be a situation. If his uncles heard this, it'd be a situation. So like, cause like, you know, I, you know, I did tell my dad, my dad was like, uh, who was it? Now like, I don't know. And I think he asked the barber, asked uh, Mr. Jones like who it was and he, he wouldn't tell my dad who it was. Cause like, it was, it's not, it's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? But yeah, like, but I grew that's so that's who I saw. I was like, that's Jerome. That person that, you know, you just got out of jail, but you kicking knowledge, shut the hell up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Then also Ohio. Like, I hate this. I hate I hate movies. This is a negative part of it, but it's also realistic. Every time you said Ohio, I thought about Africa from the movie Belly. But now I'm saying go to Africa. It's just like, yo, like Africa's not a country, it's not a state, it's a whole continent. Like Senegal, Egypt, Kenya, South Africa, and Chad are five, six different situations. You no one goes to Africa. So every time he kept saying, Ohio, grass green, you know, it's cows. I'm like, you can get that in New York too, just not New York City. Like, New York is mostly a rural state. <laughs> if you took, you know, you take away NYC, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a rural state. So it was just weird to hear me like, need to go to Ohio. Like, I get it, though, because that's how we talk. Like, people be like, yo, I'm going to Texas. And you just sit there now as an adult, you be like, you moving to Texas? Yeah. But part. Because uh, El Paso or Abilene. <laughs> Denton or Houston? Like, what are we doing? Ohio has like four metropolitan cities. Like, I, I, I was like, are they going to Cleveland? Are they going to Cincinnati? Are they going to Youngstown? Where are they going? Are they going to Toledo? Oh, they're going to rural Ohio. It would be great if you gave you a city. But so I thought I thought he was selling dreams, bro. I believe nothing what Jerome was saying. I zero percent. I gave him zero percent clout until those dudes. What was that? Because we met those dudes who sell you those pipe dreams who like oh no, I still know them dudes. And no offense to uh to um I can't think of Eric Alexander's um character's name right now, but no diss to her, but like you know, she has four children and none of the father and it it looks like this guy is only the father of randy so i don't know who's the father and it, it does look like sheree and divine shared the same parent um i'm assuming that bobby has the same parent but you know during the conversation you could tell that sheree and um divine have the same parent so you're talking about at least two men maybe three men a father so she's been set up for the okie doke no judgment a couple of times already yeah and so like those dudes come back in your life man in real life those guys come back in your life he just got out of jail it seems like he just got back out of jail uh he needs somewhere to be and you know he already like you know i could tell you a story tonight at bedtime like come on cuz mm-hmm. i'm so glad she didn't fall for that man so I loved the acting of Jerome, but I was like, F Jerome. Until something happened. I don't know if you want to go into that. No, man, we can go into it. You know, Jerome, so we know the situation that the character, like they're trying to bring up some money to pay off this uh, stolen money that Laurie took from the numbers game with the Italian dudes. And yeah. so she has to go to the mob to the store to tell like yo i can't make the payment right now and it's thinking about what are the consequences that she and her family are gonna are gonna take but then she as, as she's about to go into the restaurant the mob dude just passes by like yo have a nice day so she like yo what, what's going on and then in the store you know she sees your boy Jerome with Larry, with Fat Larry. Now, F my, Fat Larry too. Say what? F Fat Larry too. By the way, but go ahead. <laughs> now, mind the way Jerome finds out is because him speaking with Randy. So skipping school work. <laughs> Those off days at school. <laughs> He started chatting. Did every kid have the solar science project? Did every kid do that? I'm assuming, you know. I'm did you do it growing up? Did you have to do it? I feel like there was some, I know I definitely did a volcano. I definitely did a volcano. Solar oh. system may have been like an in-house school project or something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but I definitely know that your mom would have made sure that you was on point to complete all your assignments. 
<laughs> no joke. No joke. Like, it was not a game. Like, I was not skipping school to hang out with my dad or my uncles. It was not going to happen. Like, what's that? Saturday? You can't wait till Saturday? You can't get ice cream on Saturday? For real. Man, I was like, El Jerome. Jerome for the mess. Everybody life up. You telling Sharif to be an underachiever? <laughs> this is not the time to Sharif. Sharif finally got rid of D-Love and you know, like this is not the time, you know. And, you know, little 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 dude. What's the name? What's the little brother name? Randy. Randy, little Randy. He a nerd. He into his Voltron and Soul Systems. Let him be that guy. Right. Uh so the fact he's like, he learned more from me, you know, to go to school. Learn what? How to get caught? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Oh, you wanna? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know too many dudes that are like that. Willie got PTSD. I got PTSD, bro. For for the record, my father was not one of those people, but some of my friends' fathers were. That's all I'm gonna say about that. So, oh man, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, so he comes through. I don't know where he got the money from, which is weird, but that's all that's a plot hole that maybe we may get later on. But it was like I said, like I don't think the money was super big money. Like nobody's playing the river shack ain't getting like ten thousand dollars, you know, in the lot numbers, you know, probably like two G. But still a lot of money now. Two G ain't ain't nothing to sneeze at. You know, when you got other bills and nobody has a legal job except Mom, who works at the Rib Shack as a waitress. So you talk about minimum wage in 1991. You're talking about 425. You know what I'm saying? So two G's. It's a lot when no one else is putting in. No one else has reliable income. Right. I don't know how they not get audited for their taxes, but that whole other conversation. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you an adult, you'd be like, how they can afford the house and stand down off a wage of salary? No one's auditing it. But anyway, whatever. Who's their tax account? That's the real MVP of this episode, their tax account. But um, <laughs> but uh, real talk, like how are they doing this? How are they not? There'd be so many red flags in real life. But anyway, um. I digress. So yeah, Jerome come through with the money and knows how much the money is, but I'm assuming $2,000. Okay. And he's like, you know, I'm not playing around. Like, I'm serious. So all of a sudden, I went from F Jerome, like literally I went from F Jerome to damn, my man Rome, like in a, a two-minute situation. Because what I thought was about to happen, this is what I thought was going to happen. Okay. I thought Jerome was about to get murked. So yeah. that's where I thought episode was going. I thought Jerome was about to go over there and be on some, you know, fat Larry, patsy, like, don't leave my kids, leave my family yeah. out of this. I'm home now. You got a problem. You got a problem with me. They're like, okay, cool. Boom. <laughs> so that's what I thought was about to happen. I did not foresee at all Jerome paying the money. No. At all. Zero percent. I was like, damn, like, so they got Bakeem Woodbound for one episode. That's literally what I thought. I, I'll be real with you. I was like, oh, okay, so Bakeem finna give him a quick check. He, then I was, so I was getting pissed off but that, like, damn, man, Bakeem acting his ass off, and they finna kill him off. <laughs> and you may still get killed off, but, but, but I was just like, damn, they got him for one episode. This is whack. So for him to be the hero, I was totally caught off guard. Oh my God. It was a beautiful scene. I did not see it coming as well. Uh, he came through. Do you feel like the company wanting to buy his land is true or not? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. So I this is just too much familiarity for me. Yeah. Personally. I've been, I've I've seen this happen in real life. <laughs> I've seen people be like, yo, you know, my great, great, great grandfather owned some land in Kentucky and somebody bought it, and everybody's like, holy crap, we finna get paid. And then either it's not what they thought it was gonna be, the money or uh, they didn't really own it. Like this, this happens, especially in you know places like where I'm from, where 
it's quite reasonable that someone did buy some land back in the day mm. in some rural part of Ohio or Kentucky or Georgia or, or Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you realize there's no real deed and it's, it's you know, don't white man don't took your land. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, real talk. So, like, I'm just trying to figure out how this dude got out of jail. He got all this money and now he got land. <laughs> Anytime someone said, also, like, I'm just so country. I literally laughed when he said land got minerals in it. Oh my God. <laughs> what minerals, bro? That's <laughs> oil? Got minerals in it. Dog, I literally was like, I'm cracking up. It's too much. It's too much. The, the writing is too good. Like, they talk to some people. This is literally the language I grew up with. People like, you know that land got minerals in it. And you know, like as a kid, you're like, what? You don't want to ask. Like, I'm, you know, that was the dull. Someone told you like, no, they got minerals in it. What, quartz? What are you talking about? What? How do you even know it has minerals in it? What does that mean? Uh, minerals like rocks? What, what rocks? Salt? <laughs> Dinosaurs? Shut up. Oh, such just incredibly written episode. Like that, those little things. Cause because if it were written by a white person, no diss to anybody. If it were written by a white person, you know what they would have said? You know they, that land got oil. That's what they would have said. It would have been like the land got oil or something. But it but minerals is exactly what black people just say. <laughs> Without any type of specific. Specific quartz. You know that would be like, you know, the, the, the land actually has a lot of quartz. You're like, oh wow, okay, cool. Minerals? Oh my god. Minerals. <laughs> that ain't me. Oh man, dude. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so dude. I'm laughing now because you know we gotta make a left at the, the sad part of this episode. Yeah, um, man. So go ahead and take it, man. Because you had a point where it comes down to nearing the end of the episode. That's true. Right, yeah. So Miss Burgess, you know, the disrespect of these youngins mm-hmm. out there has gotten to an unacceptable level. It was unacceptable at the beginning of the episode. But by this time, they throw rocks in your house. They don't mess up this quilt. You don't spend probably, if you know anybody who's made quilts in their life, like I, I grew up with people who made quilts. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. That coffee hitting that quilt. <laughs> Yo, I've sewn before. I have actually done, I have actually sewn before. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So in my geometry class, like I look back on it now, like I find it laughable. But in geometry, the final project was making a quilt. And so, like, you know, like, you had to try to, you know, fit as many diamonds and, you know, and rhombi and squares and pentagons, like, so, you know, in your quilt. And it wasn't big. I don't want you to think it was like, it's probably like the size, probably this laptop screen. Okay. But for me, I've told y'all, manual labor is not my thing. This was a freaking chore. I was I was taking you you supposed to keep your quilt in the room. I was taking my quilt home. Like I needed all the time. Like it was hard. My quilt was trash, but I got an eight. It's all that matters. But um, <laughs> so 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 when I saw that quilt, I thought about like my grandmama, I thought about some of my aunts, especially my grandmother. And like just the level of everything. She got like design. My my stuff was squares, bro. Like she don't sew in words and all this type of stuff. Wow. That's months and months of work. Yeah. And for that coffee to hit that and ruin that quill. Oh yeah. Yeah, she called the police. <laughs> I mean, F them kids. Yeah, I'm calling the police. And so yeah, she called the police. And then the cop who had made several appearances in the episode. Uh, Officer Marcus, because you know he shows up at one point when he sees Sheree with the social science, the science project, and it's like you know get you know he sees the mother in the episode when he when she's about to come you know have a potential conflict with the the mob guys. Yeah. And uh, but he also was there to clear out 
Shaw, Shogun, and Dirty um, from the hallway when they about to get into a cipher. And so like there's this there's this there's this there's this line he's walking where he's where he is on one side this man in the community enough that Sheree and mom feel comfortable talking to him and he's African he looks like he's African American um cop so it's like oh this is a person in the community you know he even says remind me I grew up in this building I'm from here so that means that Miss Burgess and whoever saw this person from a child and he came back to help his community. But then there's the other side of it. The side that he feels he needs to be super harder on these young men than probably needs to be. There's no problem. There needs to be. And he feels like this high level of um machismo on steroids is needed. Yeah. That's why he feels comfortable helping and being nice to the women. But with the men, he feels like to get their respect, I have to be super hard, harder than them. And damn, he met somebody he couldn't out hard. Because like, think about like, he was, oh, this is something that's very, very real. He was okay even with Shogun call it, cussing them out. Like, he was okay with the disrespect those guys gave him in the thing. Of course, he was by himself, probably same situation. But when Hayes rightfully let him know, there's only there's two men here and only one of us is a soldier. He couldn't out, he couldn't out hard him. And he saw that everybody else saw that too. And if you've ever been in any type of conflict between two men, and when it gets to that point where all of us have been in a situation where it's an argument, and the argument is going to be one me, one up in you, you know, in some type of way. Maybe not, I'm not saying me and you, you know, what I'm saying, I'm just saying, like, someone may say something about your car, your, your, your girl, your, your money, your bankroll, whatever. But there's always that point where you know it's gone too far. But most time it doesn't, right? Most times you say something about my car, I say something about your car, then it's like, man, forget you. That's most arguments. But at that point when he said, you know, there's only two people in one soul, and he turned his back to him, that was a point of no return in the mind of that cop. And he murdered him. He murdered him. Like, uh, and you know it's murder because he's like, say something now, say something now, say something now. Like, uh, you know, he tased him first and then Hayes, I wish Hayes would have thrown the punch. You know what I'm saying? But he, you know, he punched him, tried to punch him, and then he got put in, in a chokehold. And um, so one thing is that that actually is in reference to a, a specific event that happened in Staten Island. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a um, there was a, a incident with a police officer that killed a young man um, in Staten Island around that time. And um, it did result in a lot of marching, a lot of really, 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 really bad relations with the cops there. So um, not saying it was done like this. I don't I don't when I read it, I don't think it was happening at a basketball court. You know what I mean? But this was a reference to an event. And um, with everything going on now, well, you know what? With everything that's been going on forever, um, it's just that now it's become more, the media has got more into it. It has become more evident to people who don't look like us. Um, it, was, it, it, was, it was a hard episode. That was a hard ending, bro. I ain't gonna lie, man. I got misty-eyed. I can be mad. Like, this dude's so dope. You know what I'm saying? I still got misty-eyed. And once again, the cinematography of it. That pigeon going for Miss Burgess. To go into to, to, to Rebel, to go into Shaw, to go into Shogun. Um, who would I leave out? Did I, leave, did I mention everybody? Um, you know, I hope I, I think I did. But, you know, but, and then that pigeon overlooking, you know, Jerome, and then going past Cherie and, and, um, and D-Love, and then, you know, even over, oh, going past Bobby, um, and then going through, going past uh, D Love's house and his brother to the city, 
I forgot all about that pigeon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then it came back. Um, it, it was just very well. The music was really good at the end. You know, because you end up with a hip hop song, but like it was just like some really like melancholy music, but not too dramatic. Like they didn't go full, you know what I'm saying? Mahalia Jackson at the end. But uh, I was like, I really was sitting here like, who wrote this? Yeah. And I hope they're coming back. Because this was, because that was a dramatic scene, bro, but it wasn't overly dramatic. Yeah. It was, and it was so much going on at that time, right? Because like the cops were coming, but then you also, Divine almost ass almost got caught. You know what I'm saying? Like he, <laughs> that, isn't that hilarious? He finally got the key and he had to throw, I, I was laughing. I'm not even going to front. So now that makes me think like, now somebody will come looking for your ass because you're not going to have the real money for that key. Remember, the, the Dominicans fronted you. Yep. Oh, yo, and even that, like, man, just real quick about Divine, like how everybody's gotten tired of his shit. Like, Hayes, I'm not going to front you. His old girl, like, I'm not going to support you with this bullshit. I'm not going to help you destroy yourself and me. Right. Because he's like, well, I got help with my mom. And, of course, we go back to, like, no, if you want to help your you took that money from Hayes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's who was missing. Um, Divine saw all go down, too. That's who was missing yeah. for the pigeon thing. But, um, man, heartbreaking, bro, because I really liked Hayes. And that's bringing to another point. They killed off another likable character. Yeah, so it's yeah. almost like, are we replacing characters? Is it like, okay, we can only handle so many, so Hayes is gone. So let's bring in Rebel and Jerome. But I felt the same way. I was like, damn, man, like, damn, Hayes was multidimensional. Like, we just learned that he was a soldier. Right. We talked about Germany. And, like, I was like, wow. Like, this, and then, you know, the whole Shogun thing, like, you coming with me. I did not see Hayes' death coming. Like, it's crazy. I knew Jerome was about to get killed. Like, that's who I thought was going to get killed. I didn't see Hayes. I thought Hayes was going to be a fixture in the show forever. And um, a great actor. He did a great job. I'm going to miss him. I think he did a great job because early on, you saw that he was not the regular D-boy on the block. Multidimensional. Yeah. And from that, you kind of saw like, hmm, there's something more to him, that multidimension that you speak of. And you, you know he's got some type of smarts to him. Just the way he moves. Yeah, you kind of felt that presence. So, bringing Rakim to the island. like it, Yes, because he was the one that was observing things and kind of like, okay, I know what to do. And he always was trying to squash conflict the best he could. He was. Man. So it's, I know one thought that came through my mind is that here's this soldier who comes back from, uh, from the armed forces here who is very smart, very intelligent. What makes him get into the drug game? You know? Like what? And obviously he didn't want to do it because you saw like, yo, man, if you get your stuff hot enough, we could get up all out of here. So you know he didn't. That wasn't his. Yeah, I. I that's what I'm saying. I think that was a lost opportunity because I mean, you know, uh, veterans in this country are not treated right. There's just no other way to say it. Like, like you said, it was very important. We were saying, I was like, yo, like I was in Germany, I got love. But whether it's the Persian Gulf War, it's the Vietnam War, it's World War II, these men and women come back expecting hero, expecting me to be like a hero, expecting that there's a job waiting for them. Mm. And I can speak on behalf of many veterans I've been around. It's not like that, a lot of them. A lot of them, they didn't, they, you know, they don't have a company or an uncle or somebody waiting for them, especially black and brown people. They come back and their skill was doing this. Now they come back and it's like, unless you're going to be a cop and you, hopefully, you know, you didn't pick up any habits or addictions or depression or anxiety, which you probably did. You come back and there's not a world waiting for you with open arms with opportunity. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't be surprised. I wish they would have done it. I wish he would have even said that in his speech, talking about that. It would have been great if he would have said, you know, I came back. There was nothing waiting for him. 
It would have been great if you would have just said that sentence because now we're, we know we're made to make assumptions. But that's what I gather from it. So. Yeah. That's definitely a truth right there. Uh, who knows what opportunities there was for veterans, especially back in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I don't know if maybe, you know, you know how we all have programs and things like that that veterans are aware of somewhat now. I don't know if that was necessarily the case back then. Yeah, and even then, like, like there was no internet. That's true. There was no internet. You come back in 1989, it's like, you go back to probably your, your, the, then you're in New York. I mean, in the South, you know, we have more bases for obvious reasons. Uh, but, you know, you up in New York, I, I mean, who do you probably even have to talk to besides the people he really knew? And you said, like, meanwhile, you brought up, you, you, you gained these other type of skills, these leadership skills, these conflict aversion skills, <laughs> these logistics skills, operation skills. And you get the respect of people like Ms. Burgess, they still see you as soldier, you know, as, as private or, or captain or, or whatever. Hey, they came back home after making good. It makes sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. May even get a little bit of lax treatment from normal cops because, oh, oh, you know, he he ain't doing nothing, man. That's a former soldier, man. Right. You know, sub officer Mark Mark when trying to hit it. Uh, yeah, sad, man. Yeah. Very well written episode, though, man. You ready for the LVPs and MVPs? Oh, man, you know I'm ready for it, boy. You know well, I'm ready for it. You want to do LVP first? You <laughs> like LVP. LVP, bro. LVPs, man. Uh, my LVP, even though you saw how things escalated to the point that it did, and you, you saw where his, his source of his anger, his fear, his manhood was being tested at, it was a cop, dude. Officer Marcus. Yeah. Like, you, you know, yeah. unfortunately, because, you know, you know because you, he's a cop, he's in a situation where he has to be self-controlled somehow, some way, you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't done in that situation. And dang, he killed one of the most likable characters, even though the character was a drug dealer. Yeah. For the show purposes, he killed one of the most likable characters on the show. And so, like, he... He gets the LVP, man. All right. So I got dual LVPs on this. I'm glad you mentioned Officer Marshall. I had to really. So I'm going to bring up another plot point we've not discussed because I was saving for the LVP. Mm-hmm. Co-LVPs, man. Bobby and D-Love. Oh, I'm going to hear this one. For getting beat up by the cast of Happy Days. <laughs> Whitesburg, <laughs> yo, yo, look, look, what I'm about to say was, you know, I got to keep doing these disclaimers. You know what I'm saying? We at the, we at the Frito Willis show, we feel that you should go for love in any type of a way you want. You know what I'm saying? G- uh, gender, gender, race, nationality, religion, whatever. Love is love, and I do mean that from the heart. However, if you're selling weed, tea weed at that, at White's Burgers, you might not be the smartest time to holler at a white girl. <laughs> what were you thinking, Bobby? You know, in fact, you know what? I'm taking D-Love off of that. No, nah, it's just Bobby. D-Love did the best he could. Nah, my bad, D-Love. Bobby, you get the LVP. You don't lost your money. You don't got your head cracked. You got beat up by Opie Taylor and Richard Cunningham. You can't even tell your friends you got jumped by these people, bro. LVP, bro. He almost put his whole family in danger. They had the money. Preach Jerome, they had the money. Your ass in the hospital. And I'm not saying he deserved that butt whooping, but bruh, take your milkshake and go home. Pretty much. You don't make easy cash. And I knew, and he, <laughs> it was, 
Of course they beat your ass. I didn't even think about that, dog. I was just like, you know what? I thought homie was just trying to shoot his shot. You know what I mean? And no, there ain't nothing wrong with shooting your shot. Yeah. But make sure you shoot your shot on, on home when you got home field advantage. <laughs> Here we go to other people's gym jumping up from half court. They're like, what are you doing? We got a whole game going on. Who are you? You can't shoot half court shots in an away gym. You can't. That is for your that's around your home ground. You know what I'm saying? Don't be wasting wasting shots in my gym. Whack. Oh. <laughs> All right, man. MVP for you though, though. MVP. MVP. Bokeem Woodbine. Yeah. Straight um, up. He came with it. He elevated everybody's performance that he came up with, that he came in contact with. Like, he just brought a presence to the show, and he was the best actor in the best episode. And that's why wow. he's winning. Yeah. That's dope. That's the MVP. Like, you're the best player on the best team. That's dope. You just said. Best, Pretty much. Best actor on the best episode. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so I agree. I'm going to just – I totally agree. I'm mm-hmm. going to do a – maybe not MVP, but mm-hmm. I am going to give love to Miss Burgess. Mm. Um, simply because like she came in and it was like at first it was like what is this what is it got to do with anything right. and in fact that her arc literally was the backbone of the show yeah of the you know the generational divide the role that police play in our neighborhoods like she felt unsafe um and the dilemma that our neighborhoods literally face is like you know <laughs> Sometimes we don't want to call the police. And be honest with you, a lot of times we don't want to call the police. Right. And the next time someone says, like, why don't we want to call the police? You just show them this episode. Like, that's the that's the conflict. It's like you want to be safe. You want even want these kids to act right. You do. But it's like, hey, like, what if I call and I make the situation worse? So shout out to Miss Burgess. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, that is excellent point right there. I love that. Yeah. Willie, great episode. Great episode, man. You know, appreciate the insight. No, you been dropping jewels, bro. Dropping all the jewels. <laughs> Yo, I want to thank all out there, all the listeners, all the watchers. We appreciate the love. Continue to like, subscribe, comment. We're on all social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. You know, we're on all that. So go ahead, YouTube. Please go out and support. You'll see everything on the on the side and all that jazz. And with that, I, and with that, we out, man. And you got anything to say? No, nah, man, just stay safe out there. Um, we in some very crazy times. Um, just be safe out there. Uh, at the top, for I don't know if you noticed, but a certain announcement was just made. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, apparently our 46th president has been con- um, tentatively confirmed. So, uh, crazy times right now. Y'all be safe out there. And um, see y'all next time. For sure. Peace.